I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the movie, movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review for the last time in 2022. Actually, by the time you're listening to us, it'll actually be 2023 by a couple days. But Happy New Year. Happy New Year, indeed. <laughs> Hope you had a wonderful holiday season. It is... As a result, that time of the year where we look back at the year that was, analyze it, make observations about it, and talk about uh, various aspects of the year. So what we do, if you, in case you haven't heard before a previous year in review episode, is we will start off with general conversation about the year, any observations we've noticed about the year. We'll talk about the box office of the year. And then we will have different categories that we will kind of award certain movies. And that eventually will lead to our picks for the best and worst of the year. And then film faves will be a part of this episode. So it'll be a a bigger episode. Uh, And usually, as you may have heard the past few months, we break our episodes up weekly. And film faves is its own episode. But... It just makes sense to have the annual episode still keep with our favorites of the year. So that'll be the last section of the podcast. We'll talk about our favorite movies of the year. More on that later. All right. So Shanna 2022. First, I want to start off, Shanna, by asking you what sort of general observations did you notice about the the makeup of the movies this year or any sort of like last year i listened back to our episode last year last year one of the biggest observations was it was the first year that we were starting to come back from the pandemic we had some blockbusters that helped save cinema so to speak uh more attendance was growing you know these were trends that we saw last year there was also last year all the movies that were postponed because of the pandemic pretty much were released last year there's a couple holdovers this year no notable but for the most part we're kind of past that right so what what sort of observations in general pandemic or not related to pandemic at all did you notice uh with the movies that we saw this year Mm. well um I guess the biggest one is Top Gun Maverick. What about it? Well, how long it waited to release because of the pandemic. Because it was meant to be seen in a cinema. And when you got there and saw it in the cinema, it really did make sense. You needed to be in a place that had surround sound. Mm. You needed to be in a place that had a huge projection screen so that you could see the magnificence of what they what they had technically achieved as well mm. can you imagine going through all this effort to get these really great realistic imagery and then you're forced to put it on a laptop or someone's small tv screen right no surround sound as well you know i mean i, I feel that about most movies the, the, mean, yeah. that crushing disappointment <laughs> whenever but i this hear that was but... definitely you know during pandemic we're gonna wait we don't care how long it takes yeah 
you know, we're going to do it when it's the right time. And it's good that they did that. So I think that that's something that could be talked about in the future, you know, looking back on this period of time. Mm. Definitely can be talked about. I think that movies like The Batman... Well, well, just one last thing on the Top Gun Maverick thing. We will... Be ta- it will not be the last word on Top Gun Maverick. We'll probably be talking more about that throughout the episode. But I think it was one of the only movies this year that came out that was postponed still because of the pandemic in terms of mm-hmm. its its actual release. Not completion, but release. And there's the only thing left that I'm aware of that hasn't come out yet is the Mission Impossible movie coming out oh, next year, right? Okay. And, and and we'll probably talk more about that in future episodes too. But uh, go ahead. You're you're about to say the, the Batman. Well, yeah, there were other movies that needed to happen on screen. And, mm-hmm. you know, included in that is always the Marvel and then the DC films mm. because mm. it's a spectacle, right? Mm. And I felt like I just watched the Batman again on our TV and I'm really glad that we went and saw it in the cinema because it was it's a it's basically a reboot of a very well-known hero this is someone that we see about every five years we can never escape him although he's not as irritating as Spider-Man so it's okay it was the Um, third Batman in 10 years it's a lot it's Mm -hmm. a lot and it's it's so great that we did get to see that in the cinema because there's certain shots that are very like it's Gotham City, you know, it's grand, it's disgusting, and you need to see it on a big screen. So mm, mm. there were lots of fun tricks that happened. I'm trying to think of other things. Like what other, uh, are there any broader oh. no- things that you noticed about movies this year? Too? Yeah, um, it was disappointing that something like Turning Red couldn't be in the cinema when it's got a huge character mm. and it couldn't be there. But, you know, we'll we'll bring back will bring buzz into mm-hmm. the theaters, which mm-hmm. I was like, well, that could have gone straight to streaming. I mean, it's nice that it was at the theaters, but mm-hmm. still. Yes. But I, 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 I guess I'll bring up to that point. This year, there were over, by my count, a hundred streaming exclusive movies. Netflix was a big part of that. From what I could tell, Netflix made up 70 to 80 percent of the output of movies that were exclusive to streaming, right? Uh, Disney Plus had some. Hulu definitely had some. Uh, maybe HBO Max had a few and Amazon uh, Studios. But the, but the other thing is, like, there were movies that Netflix and Amazon Studios had created, but they, like, put out in the theaters first. They did have a theatrical window. That was quite before interesting you know yeah. before pushing on to their streamers but for the most part there was a lot that was exclusive to streaming and it's interesting that there are so many part of that is the firehose method of netflix for sure i mean you looked i sent you a list of streaming exclusive movies it was a very to long list over. yeah it's a very long list but like i bet i bet you glossed over most of those titles like they were very generic titles mm-hmm. right you know, would you disagree with that? Well, without seeing a picture, it's hard to want to engage mm. or peak interest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, especially if the title doesn't do it. So, like, th- I-, I think also, though, that this is a product, even though Netflix has been kind of doing this for a while, like, 
they've done this quantity over quality kind of um, mm. method for uh, most of the past decade. I think all the streamers are starting to hop on board post post pandemic, and it's really conditioning people. Uh, you know, during the pandemic, 2020 was a really rough year for us to assess the year because the lines were so blurred. There's so many movies, like hardly any movies came out in theaters, right? Because theaters were shut down. There's so many movies that were intended to be in the theaters that got shifted to um, to streaming. And so it created this mindfuck for the general audience where they couldn't tell anymore what is a streaming movie? What's a quote-unquote made-for-TV movie, if you will? Yeah, and yeah. what's a theatrical movie? And I think that that kind of is p- becoming part of the norm now where you're even seeing on some top 10 lists movies that were extremely exclusive being in the same company as theatrically released movies, which is definitely not something you would have seen 10 years ago, right? So I think that's something that's probably one of the biggest shifts I'm seeing from 2022 is the legitimacy, the rise of the legitimacy and, and quantity of streaming exclusive movies. Mm. And and how does that affect the market? You know, like Disney Plus, you mentioned Turning Red and Lightyear. It rolled the dice and, you know, turn it released. Um, Disney Animation Studios, or Disney Studios in general, I should say, it owns Pixar, right? And it owns Disney Animation Studios, of course, right? It rolled the dice on Lightyear and Strange World, okay? Put those in the theaters. Didn't put dump them the streaming. It dumped to streaming Disney Plus, uh, Turning Red, and one other. Oh, what was the other movie that was uh, dumped onto um, Disney Plus? Do you remember? I'm having a hard time remembering. It was another one, and let's see if well, either why don't of us you find that. Let, let's see. Yeah, let's see if either of us can uh, track that down. It was sometime in the the kind of middle of the year. Well, and attitudes that I've noticed is people just there's a certain part of the population that just wants to wait Chip and for Dale. it to. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, uh, it was Chippendale Rescue well, Rangers. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, I think, is what I was thinking. Okay. But go ahead. Wow, that would have been great in the theater. Um, I th- there's this attitude that's developing where, well, I've got Disney Plus. I don't need to spend more money in going to the theater with my kid. That's probably going to need to go potty like three times and. I'm not going to get to enjoy the movie. They're not going to get to enjoy the movie. You know, I noticed that when I did go to DC Super Pets, Lightyear, there was another one that I went to, but I can't remember it right now. You know, kids centered during the summer, get out of the house kind of situations. A lot of the parents were aggravated. And I don't know if it's because their kids haven't had a chance to sort of learn the etiquette of a movie theater mm. or be prepared for maybe the parents aren't used to it either. Mm. And so I, a lot of the times we was, you know, I was with my my kiddo and my kiddo was perfectly happy. And can I? at least sit on my knees yes you can sit however you want and that was as far as it went with that kid but everybody else around us was having a really hard time Mm. and so i find it interesting that you know at the end of the year we had strange world i didn't get to see it in the theater we just had so many things going on in our life and now i am one of those people that has to rely on okay well i guess i'm going to watch it on disney plus and i don't know if that's really what i want because it did look like strange world it's a world 
that's not a normal world for us and I would have liked to have seen it on the big screen and I don't think that that's yeah. going to work out. Yeah, uh, so I think it was Chippendale Rescue Rangers I was thinking of also got dumped, but I thought there was a I thought there was a, a, an animated movie. My point was that movies like uh, Turning Red were considered were championed and considered to be really really great movies mm-hmm. and they weren't given the the option of being released in the theaters whereas Lightyear and Strange World both got tepid uh, responses Mm -hmm. by critics and and people too were released in the theaters and it didn't work out for either of them because or in either case because both of those uh, didn't make much money which is I think a huge blow for actually Disney Animation Studios I mean uh, if I look back, here it is. Strange World, Disney Animation Studios, ranked 40th in the year, $35.8 million. That is a huge blow to Disney Animation Studios. That is abysmal, which indicates to me either, A, there was just so much that was happening in the holiday season this year mm. that it just kind of got lost in, in the shuffle, or B, Disney Plus has been conditioning people to watch things on Disney Plus, you know, D- Disney uh, Studios has been conditioning people to watch things on Disney Plus, and so people didn't turn out for a Strange World and decided we'll just wait till it's on the TV, you know, maybe because of some of the issues. I'd say some of those issues that you were speaking to is really like that's a parent call. Like they they can uh, decide whether or not to wait until their child is old enough to handle being in a public space. Well, and I, I want to give parents credit. You don't know until you go. Yeah, that's true. And and you hope that it's going to go. I think everybody hopes that it's going to go well, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the case. And you won't know until you've gone a few times, you know? Mm, well, I mean, look, it doesn't have to be a complete roll of the dice. Like, like you have seen uh, me and you know, like we've talked about this, like there is some coaching and stuff that you can you can do as a parent to help help with mitigate some of that well, situation. I think it just know, depends but. on what's the reason they're going to the theater. Are they going so that they can have a break, the parents? Mm. Or, or are they going because they are a movie family, you mm. know? And yeah. I'm sure there's in-betweens, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. We, we digress. Um, yes. So, yes, <laughs> the um, I, think, I think the box office... And the the streaming situation, uh, all of that, I think, is a big, uh, big aspect of the characterization of this year, you know. And I'm curious to what extent it's going to continue in the following couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also mentioned that, like, there is a sort of spectacle aspect of going to the theater, the desire to go to the yeah. theater, right? Yeah, it feels like we're trying to head into, well, how can we get people back in the theater? It's back to that age where, when was it in Hollywood when you know TVs became a thing and so they had to create spectacles to get people out to the movies? That was the 1950s. Okay, I feel like we're kind of heading in that territory again. It's, um, yeah. And maybe it's just coincidental. Well, and it, maybe it's not. I think it's further wrinkled by the fact that the same studios are also creating their own streaming platforms mm-hmm. and wanting to uh, get Some this, supplemental second income. Well, wanting to get the subscription <laughs> uh, yeah. subscribers up 
on those things. And they're also putting money into creating new content to get those subscribers, get the FOMO uh, mm. element in uh, for their own subscription service. I know Peacock is definitely struggling with this. It's really hard to compete when there's already four or five major subscription platforms out there. But it is wrinkled by this fact that the studios are kind of doing it to themselves to an extent. We're out of the period where they they kind of needed to do it in order to survive what with the pandemic and all. But now they have these monsters they're creating. And I think it's having a huge effect on the movie-going habits in theaters, too. Because when I look at the top box office of the year... It's different in a lot of ways to even the box office of 2019, okay? Like, when I look at the box office of 2019, we had in, like, around the top 20 films of the year, we had dramas like Downton Abbey, Hustlers, Ford vs. Ferrari, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. These movies made around $100 million each. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood made $141 million, right? This year, in order to find a drama that, in order to find a drama at all in the box office, I have to go down to like where the crawdad scene is probably the highest earning drama of the year, $90 million. That was kind of, uh, what do you call like, championed by Reese Witherspoon. It was by her production company. It was based on a a best-selling novel. But below that, uh, we're looking at... Gosh, I don't even think Glass Onion is in there in terms of like just straightforward dramas. You have a mystery. Death on the Nile made $45 Downton Abbey made $43.8 And what was the other one I was looking at? Devotion, which was kind of a war movie, 19 million. So, you know, you have to go pretty far down. The Fableman, Steven Spielberg's latest movie, made 10.2 million. You know, it's, it's a lot different, and it's unfortunate. The Habits are now like almost like it's they're going to a circus or something. They have to they have to see something that's dazzling and something that is going to be a spectacle. Mm. And it's it's really putting the nail in the coffin on the mid-budget, you know, adult drama type mm. movies, you know. If you're not a horror movie, if you're not an animated movie, if you're not some sort of a tentpole franchise film, people aren't likely to go see it. You know, you you have She Said and so many other movies that bombed. Hmm. Straight up bombed. Even Babylon this weekend that, that we're recording. And that it, was rather spectacly. So. Well, in a way, yes. But it was a three-hour adult drama hmm. about uh, the about old Hollywood, right? And... And that made headlines because that movie already bombed at the box office, right? Making like, I want to say it was like $4 million or something (gasps) uh, off of like, off of a budget that was like far higher. Let's see if I can get that really quickly here, what that budget was. It was like, yeah, upwards of $80 million. 
and it made, sorry, just shy of $6 million in its opening weekend, right? So it's considered already a bomb, even though it still has to open in international markets, it would have to do 160 plus million dollars in order to be considered a success, to break even and all that, right? At six million in weekend one, it is not going to make 160 million, even when it opens wider uh, around the world. So people are not going to see, no matter what the star talent is, uh, no matter no matter what, people are not going to spend the money uh, to go see movies this year unless they are spectacles. They're they're holding out for Avatar: The Way of Water. They're holding out for mm -hmm. the MCU. They're holding out for you know whatever DC fans are still out there. You know. So many other things along those lines. So I think that's a big, big thing as well uh, this year that that helped characterize the year. Let's. I think that, I think that that's a good way to to transition love. Unless there's any other observations you want to put out there, I think that's a good a way to transition into what were the big box office earners of the year. What we typically do is I will list the number 10 through six slots of the highest earning movies of the year. And Shanna, you try to guess what the top five movies of the year were. Okay. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Number 10, uh, 10th highest grossing movie. These are all domestic box office, by the way. Uh, not, we're not including international. Correct. Okay. Black Adam. Oh, good for them. At $167.8 million. Mm. 10th highest grossing movie of the year. Number nine, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yeah. At $190.8 million. Mm -hmm. So, you know, $23 million more. Pretty, pretty large gap there. Number eight, $317 million is Avatar The Way of Water. It's number eight. It is number eight. I'm a little worried for them. <laughs> yes. I'm very worried. Yes, because they needed to make at least $200 million more million in order to break even mm. for that movie. Mm. Number seven, Thor Love and Thunder, $343.2 million. It has made roughly 25 million more than avatar the way of water mm. and number six is the batman 369.3 million dollars and we have to remember i think that came out in february or march so pretty early when people yes. were still gaining their confidence yes and getting out so Yes, I think that was probably the first movie that people really felt they needed to go see. Mm. So we got a range from 167.8 to 369 million, just in the bottom half of the top 10. What do you think, Shanna? What movies do you think cracked the top five highest earning movies of 2022? I'm pretty sure it's going to, you know, if not number one, somewhere in there. Is probably going to be Top Gun Maverick. Are you going to tell me okay. when I get it no, right? No, I'm not going to uh, yet. You just list okay. the five. So That'll I think, make it more efficient. I think Top Gun, definitely. I don't 
don't I don't know if Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness was more popular than mm-hmm. uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, so I'm not sure about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Bullet Train or Nope. Mm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Any others? I don't think the Northman got very far. Maybe Jurassic World Dominion. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe Elvis. Okay. Because maybe people were just really into that. Um, and, and probably another kid movie. I wouldn't think DC Super Pet, so maybe it's going to be... I don't think Lightyear made it either, though. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. And I'm not sure how Wakanda Forever did. So, let's find out. Okay, so I will say that The Northman was 42nd of the year. Oh, shame. It only made $34.2 million. Which I say only, but that's probably pretty good for a Ro- Ro- Robert Eggers film. Uh, let's see. What else did you mention here? DC Super Pets was 21. It made 93.6. Bullet Train was 18. It made 103.3. Oh. Mm-hmm. Nope was 14. It made 123.2. Oh, just outside. Yes. And Elvis was 12 it made 151 million okay okay Okay. that's i feel good about that okay it didn't it didn't make the top 10 okay yeah it still did pretty well i I don't know i don't know what the budget was on that and if it uh you know had a profit or not but did i get right (laughs) well okay so number five minions the rise of i knew there was another summer kids movie okay $369.5 $369.5 million. Mm. Okay. That is the highest grossing animated movie or children's film, if you will, of the year. Number four, Jurassic World Dominion. Oh, yay. I got one. $376 million. Mm. Okay. Uh, by the way, Minions and Batman were within a $100 thousand dollar oh my margin. gosh come on guys yeah more or less <laughs> uh number three the third highest grossing movie of the year doctor strange in the multiverse of madness okay. 411.3 million so i technically got two okay and just uh 14 million more dollars number two was black panther wakanda forever oh good i'm glad because i didn't look at the numbers at all so I'm really glad that they made it. Number one, mm-hmm. mm. $300 million more mm. than any other movie mm-hmm. that took home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went to the theater this year. Are you rolling your eyes? No. Top Gun <laughs> Maverick. Hey, I was right about that. $718.7 million. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. $718.7 million. Was the highest take of the year. Now, let's compare that to 2019, okay? The highest grossing movie of that year was $858 million. That was Avengers Endgame. To be fair, that was Avengers Endgame. But um, even then... Yeah, I think... What was number two? Second to that was $543.6 million. That mm. was the Lion King remake, oh. okay? So, that's... Two movies that earned more than Black Panther Wakanda Forever in 2019. Number three was Toy Story 4, which made even still more than Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm. 
at $434 million, okay? So, you know, it's 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 very still very different, still very different. And also I also I also meant to note earlier that that same year 2019, I think like Hustlers was like in the 100 million dollars. So, again, adult dramas, very different situation here. And even last year, the box office what we see, if you look at last year's box office and this year's, you do start to see evidence of uh, consumer confidence because Spider-Man No Way Home came out at the end of the year and it was the highest grossing movie of the year at $804 million, okay? But prior to that, it was upwards of $600 million gulf between number one and number two, and that was Shang-Chi and the um, Legend of the Ten Rings. So mm-hmm. so $224 million compared to this year where it's in the 400s and 300s for most of the top 10, I think that also goes to show that there is more consumer confidence that it's safe to go back and live life again as normal, even though occasionally you might still get some covid updates uh, in your area so that's that's good to see but it is again as it has been for some time it's always like franchise movies you know last year we talked there was one original content movie like original ip movie that entered the top 10 do you remember what that movie was Mm -mm. it was free guy oh yes okay okay and then you also gave credit to Quiet Place Part 2, which was a sequel, but it was a sequel to an original, you know, IP, yeah. right? Yeah. There was nothing like that this year. It's all IP. It's all like franchises. It's all based on something. It's all sequels, Avatar being the one sequel that's, you know, uh, that's now a franchise. It, it is it definitely give credence to the event uh, movie watching mm. kind of perspective. So, so that's that's the box office of the year. Do you have any other thoughts on any of that? I do wish more original work would break the top ten, but I know that that's super unrealistic. Like, I really had a lot of hope that Everything Everywhere All at Once would score really high. I mean, how much did that make? Uh, let me look. It did actually pretty well. I will say that it was in the top thirty. It mm. made $68.6 million. Mm. And uh, I'll look real quick what what kind of a budget that was up against, that gross was. But I do think that that was among the most successful A24 movies financially. Mm. So that was up against a $25 million budget. So that's actually, it, it did very well. Yeah, it almost made back three times. It basically it, made three it, times back. It, well, yeah. I mean, it, it basically made a profit of upwards of $30 million. Mm. Yeah, really good. Um, you know, there's other things in here that I think are interesting. Like, you know, if the Fablemans was, I don't know, maybe sooner in the theaters. If the Glass Onion was in the theaters for longer, how would it have done? Uh, I think the Glass Onion was only there for like a weekend or two. So I think that that's interesting. Yeah, that made $13.2 million, apparently. And it, it only released to less than 700 theaters. Mm. Okay, so let's get on to other topics then. 
let's get on to our categories of the year. Mm-hmm. All right. So what we do is we have various categories that we award for movies from the year uh, the, leading up to our picks for the, the worst and the best of the year. Sometimes there's some variations on what those categories are, mm-hmm. depending on the year. This year, we are going to have a new category, which is, I think we'll start with this. Best streaming exclusive movie. Now, Jenna, I sent you a list of roughly 100 movies that were streaming exclusive this year. You definitely saw more streaming exclusive movies this year than I did. Mm -hmm. What is your pick for the best movie that went to a streamer and did not go to the theater? It was a little tricky to do, actually. A lot of these categories, I either have one very definite answer or I have two or three options. So for this one, I my favorite was definitely Turning Red. But more recently, I watched Spirited on Apple TV with my, my stepson. And that was really a, a wonderful surprise of entertainment. So for me, it's Turning Red. But I also wanted to mention Spirited. So you, your pick is Pixar's Turning Red as the best streaming exclusive movie of the year. It is. Okay. That's a good pick. That was actually a really good movie. I know a lot of people were disappointed that it did not go to theaters. I, like I said, did not see nearly as many streaming exclusive movies as you did. So my pool is fairly shallow, admittedly. Mm -hmm. But I will say that my pick for the best streaming exclusive movies movie i did see is prey oh that was brilliant yes yes this was a prequel to predator 1987's predator directed by dan trachtenberg following a cherokee i believe tribe of native americans and it was everything i want from a predator movie so much better than shane black's recent more recent movie so much better than the danny glover movie a comanche sorry comanche tribe thank you shanna for looking that up correct me Uh, i knew it started with a c i get them mixed up Mm -hmm. so uh that is my pick for the best streaming exclusive movie if you haven't seen either of those movies we highly recommend you do check them out Shanna, let's move on to the another category oh you know before we continue i i always forget to do this and i'm really glad that i just remembered before we really dug into the meat potatoes of everything i wanted to know you know you did see some movies i didn't see shanna but there were some movies that we didn't get to catch up with. We, oh, we, we're going to talk about that now? We tried. Well, I think it's important that people know what we didn't get to see before we, make, we, before we really talk about this. So they can take with a grain of salt. You know, more often than not, the movies that I list that we didn't get to see in a particular year end up not really having any effect over everything anyway. Maybe there's mm-hmm. one movie that would have had a shot at some at, any of these things but who knows who knows this year we took a week off 
to try to catch up, and we really didn't get a chance to knock out any of these particular movies. Uh, sometimes it's because one of these movies wasn't available at all anywhere near us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was definitely the case with After Sun and Women Talking, the latest Sarah Pauli movie. Both those movies made top 10 critics lists this year. Uh, I really wanted to try to see a movie that came out early in the year called The Worst Person in the World. It would have been my one <laughs> foreign film I would have seen this year. Didn't get a chance to. Uh, didn't get a chance to see X and, or its prequel Pearl. Darren Aronofsky's performance piece with Brendan Fraser, The Whale. We didn't get to see. We almost watched Emily the Criminal with Aubrey Plaza. Didn't get to. Uh, and uh, we couldn't see Till when that come out, came out. And Chanwick Park's latest film, I think it is. Decision to Leave. Haven't seen. And a movie that um, I thought was initially exclusive to Netflix, but apparently came out in theaters prior to Netflix and has actually gotten a lot of acclaim, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio we haven't seen. And because of the, my lukewarm feelings about most of his recent releases, I really wasn't excited about Pinocchio, but apparently his version is uh, worth watching. Uh, was, was there any other movies that you thought were notable that we didn't get to get get to see yeah so i i agree with you on most of those i would have liked to have watched till at home in the safety of my own house yeah not available um yeah and the weird al yankovic story woman talking three thousand years of longing maybe pearl on mute uh the outfit and maybe crimes of the future again on mute. <laughs> yeah, have, have fun with that one. You know. That, that that movie did make several best of the year lists. I can't see right now how many, but it, it made it in the top 20 on Metacritic of movies that made made lists. So um, so there is that. Uh, yeah, so take all that with a grain, all of what we're going to say with a grain of salt, understanding we haven't gotten a chance or an opportunity even to see these movies. Now with that, let's move on to the next category. Let's start with the biggest surprise of the year. The biggest surprise of the year. What what movie did you go in with kind of like low expectations or mm-hmm. kind of mid-level expectations you thought it was going to be all right but it really yeah. shot over for you so this was definitely one of those i have two <laughs> mm. like i was definitely blown away by the batman really you didn't i, I have really was i had i had low expectations because really? in my mind i was like this is too many too soon it's just going to be a fuck up Having Robert Pattinson, I, I'm i sorry. I still think of him as Twilight with the occasional this and that, but mostly Twilight persists. We talked and this about is that what, this review, is what yeah. resets it for me. Mm. So now I don't see him, even though I just said that. So now, <laughs> I, like going into it, that's how I felt. But now coming away from that, I feel like, you know, I'm good. And the performances and the executions of the different villains was really 
at times it was it was smart, but at at times with certain characters it was comical in a good way. Mm. So that really that really exceeded my expectations. And then the other one is the Lost City. I wasn't sure. What really, was, well, the Lost yeah, City. I feel like I never know what's going to happen when it's like a, a romantic comedy. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh huh. And if you have like this great cast of all these awesome stars, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And that exceeded my expectations too. It was hilarious. It was cute. It was funny. It was. It was charming. It, the characters were so sweet, even when they were villains. It, it was mm. just really uh, a wonderful surprise. How about you? It, it does sound like the Batman was a slightly bigger surprise between the two just because of Robert Pattinson for you. Well, it was also because they they did what they're supposed to do. If you're going to really, and I've said this many a time, if you're going to bring back the hero that never dies... The someone hero like, that never dies. Someone like Batman or someone like Spider-Man or whatever, then you better make it current. And they mm. did make it current and reflect issues of society back onto us. So that was great. Hmm. My, I, I, I will agree with you on this. I did have a tough time choosing between two films for this mm. category. Mm. What was the biggest surprise? My mind first went to the menu because oh, yeah. I had, you know, I thought it was going to be, good i you know i thought it was gonna be probably fine you know a decent little thriller or horror film one or the other but it actually far exceeded those expectations to being one of the best movies of the year i think but but really then i was reminded of another movie where i went in with fairly low expectations wasn't necessarily excited to see the movie went to see it because i felt like we had to more than anything else and that was top gun maverick because (laughs) i i've never liked the original top gun movie i showed you it you couldn't even finish the movie we had 20 minutes left in the film we still never finished the last 20 minutes of the movie and i was glad that we did though Watch that movie because it helped really inform this the, the viewing experience of the sequel and added a lot to the emotional weight of the sequel. And then the movie far exceeded my expectations. I actually like Top Gun Maverick. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's it was probably one of the most enjoyable experiences in the theater this year. I have to watch it again, along with a lot of other movies from this year to see if if I could even go near using the F word with it, and, and which I by which I mean favorite, you know, um, but uh, that one definitely. When I look at expectations going in versus feelings coming out, Top Gun Maverick was actually probably my biggest surprise of the year. Mm. So that's on the, a great choice. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. So the reverse of that. What was the biggest disappointment of the year? The movie that you had the highest expectations for and just fell short of everything for you. This is definitely one of those. I don't want to say it because I did have high expectations and I did hope for the best. And the trailer did suggest it was going to reflect some awesome shit back to us, which, you know, the menu did that too in a way. So I, I love when it like, takes issues in our society and translates it for us, for mm. me specifically. Mm. So you're, your pick is Morbius then? 
<laughs> You're so funny. You're such a comedian. Mm. Uh, it was Don't Worry Darling. That was, was also so sad. my pick for biggest disappointment of the year. I Go- mean, such brilliant talents. The trailer looked like it had such good ideas. The poster had, um, I forget what it's called, but it's a visual trick where you don't see... You don't see everything the first time you look at the poster. You see everything the second or third time you look at the poster. There were little hidden visual clues in there. And so, man, I I had a lot of high hopes for this film and it was just completely thrashed. It just didn't stick the landing and it lost its way hmm. in about, I don't know, three quarters through the second act, I would say. Hmm. <laughs> I have it, I have it, I have it. Focus, right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 All of you wives. We men, we ask a lot. Can't you see? We ask for strength, <laughs> food at home, a house clean, and discretion above all else. Boys and their toys. At least we know they're getting work done. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing the world. What are we doing? Changing Changing the the world. world. That's right. What do you think they're really doing out there? What do you mean? The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Where it's safe. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? Have you ever asked? Do you? Please, what's actually happening? Stop it, Alice. What if this place is dangerous? What if Stop it! No. Jack, it's okay. I'm curious to hear where she's going with this. Well, it was one of our most anticipated movies of the year because it was Olivia Wilde's next film after a book smart, a movie that we championed. We're, we became huge fans of Olivia Wilde uh, as a result of that. I, I always liked her previously as an actress. She don't didn't always make great choices like life itself. But uh, as a director, Booksmart was very promising as, a, as her as a talent behind the camera. And Don't Worry Darling's trailer, you know, the first few times I saw it, it was like, this is going to be one of the best movies of the year, mm. no doubt. And we were oblivious to all the behind-the-scenes drama, honestly. Oh, yeah, we that had was, no idea. We weren't paying attention to any of that sort of stuff. But just the talent behind and in front of the camera and what we were seeing in the trailer, it was her taking a big swing with some high-concept sci-fi story. Flo, Florence Pugh was the lead, and my God, she's great and everything she's smashing and chris pine was in the film so 
just and we talked about it we talked about it and 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 uh it was just it, you could look back to, at that episode where we review it it was just such a huge disappointment it had so many things going for it and then it just shits the bed and uh well, i mean that's that's a little mean it's totally true the ending is just uh, it just it's a movie full of setups with zero payoffs and it's just inexplicable more often than not that's a better sentence we don't have to say shit's the bed well i just explained how it shit the bed and there you go wow so that is our pick apparently for the biggest disappointment of the year let's move on related or similar to that shanna what was the movie that they didn't get? The movie that you you thought was actually pretty good and you would defend, but for some reason, everybody else was either tepid yes, yes, or, yes. or didn't like. Okay. All right. So uh, Amsterdam is my pick. Oh. They sent me an article uh, of uh, that Variety did where it was the worst movies of the year, and they had Amsterdam in there. Mm. And that just did not make any sense to me. And it wasn't just to be fair. It, it, it's not a movie that that uh, was criticized just by Variety. It, it did get very poor to lukewarm reviews. I quite enjoyed this film. Mm. I thought, you know, uh, if we contrast it with Don't Worry Darling, everything they set up paid off. Mm. Everything, you know, was uh, beautifully circled back. And the cast was great. All the performances were spot on. The story was good. We we get, you know, we get to see a comical scene with Taylor Swift. I, I rather enjoyed that. Oh, really? And okay. I, I did. I did. And right. I thought that that was fun. I thought it was pretty shocking, but it's okay. It's shocking, but it's also it's more fun than shocking. All right. Uh, I just, I, I don't know why they didn't get it. Like, I really, mm. I, I love the chemistry between all three of the actors. It was Christian Bale and... Margot Robbie and, and, and John David Washington. Yeah. Yes. So I, I loved seeing the three of them on, you know, on a film together. And I thought it was a beautiful story. Mm. And it had some current aspects to it, too. And I thought that that was great. Yeah. You know, we reviewed that movie a couple months back. You can check out the main review. We were very positive on it. I thought it was uh, two-thirds of a, a great film or a really good film. And and one third of a good film, I think my only criticisms were in that third act. It ran a little long. It was a little didactic, it, it, you know. But uh, overall, I'm, I'm actually, you know, it's another movie that bombed also uh, with big cast and everything. And, and it did not do well either. Uh, very surprisingly, I, I thought that would do a lot better. So that's, that's actually a really good pick for movie they didn't get. I... It might even be a slightly better pick than my pick for a movie they didn't get. Mine is Thor Love and Thunder, which, again, explaining what the setup is for this award, thinking about how people reacted to the movie, I was a little surprised how how divisive the movie was, how, how a lot of people didn't like the mix of the tragic and the comic in it. You had, you had the. <laughs> it wha- is a little jarring, I guess, but I didn't I find it, it jarring. I thought it it worked pretty well. This mix of this somewhat absurdist or wacky humor 
with also the emotional scenes with a character, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stricken with cancer. And I, I never thought that it tried mixing the two tones in, in single scenes together. Mm-hmm. You know, you never saw the absurdist in the same scenes where the character was dealing with cancer, really. So you didn't mm-hmm. have a floating hammer come in through the, <laughs> you know, a floating axe come in through those scenes or anything like that. Uh, so I thought it worked well. I thought Christian Bale's performance as the villain was, was well, it's you know, Christian Bale. He's very dependable as an actor. If he's going to do something like this, he's going to bring something to it, you know, and, and he did very well. And he had a very interesting villain. And I thought the film continued the tone of Ragnarok and being fun. I don't think it's as good as Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. I'm not, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but I do think that it is better than a lot of people reacted and, and, and claimed it to be. I do not think this is a mediocre movie at all. I think it is, you know, granted, MCU has has a high, high bottom. I, I think this is mid-tier MCU, mm-hmm. um, which is still very, very good. So mm-hmm. that is my pick for the movie. They didn't get, but Shannon, on the other hand, on the other side of that, what is the movie you didn't get? The movie that, like, everybody seems to have loved, and you're like, huh, really? There were a lot of people that loved Elvis, and I was, I loved the performance, but I was disappointed by everything else in that film, especially now that I've had time to think about it. Mm. Baz Luhrmann didn't stick the landing. Uh, His effects that he's known for were shoddy. They weren't actually executed very well. They weren't. You know, if there was a, a green screen type effect, it was still too feathery, so not cut out properly. Properly, and so that was that was hugely disappointing. And I know that Buzz Lerman is capable of much more, and he he didn't he didn't get it this time. Yeah, yeah, that that if there was a, a movie that I thought was most overrated, that was definitely it. It made two critics second best of the year uh, list and 22 other critics best uh, 10 best movies of the year. Mm. It, it's not among the 10 best movies of the year um, according to Metacritic, but, but it's, it's up there. And uh, I, I think it is definitely overrated. We were very, I was very poor on that film. That's a good pick. The movie I didn't get the movie. I thought was good. But this year, it's a movie that I, it's not that I totally didn't get and didn't think the movie was good or anything. It's just I didn't I don't get the extent with which people are saying it's good. It's a movie we forgot to talk about when we did our uh, roundup. And, and it almost was the Banshees of Inisherin, by the way, which we did talk mm-hmm. about. I, I, I was fairly positive on that film, but. It's also considered one of the three best or one of the five best movies of the year. I don't quite see that, but more so, I don't see Tar as the first or second best film of the year. Okay. I don't get that. I think, yeah, it's very good. And I do have to refresh my memory a little bit, but I remember remember having thoughts on it (laughs) and, and... you know, having some issues with it, 
Um, but also it being a movie that offers a lot to chew on and talk about. It's a great conversation starter. So it is a really good movie, but one of the five best movies of the year? Mm. Um, I don't get it. So that's my pick this year, Tar by Todd Field with Kate Blanchett. Okay, Shanna, let's see. We did the biggest surprise, biggest disappointment movie. They didn't get movie. I didn't get. Let's move on to what is the best film that was completely overlooked this year? The movie that you thought more people should have seen, it should have done, it should have at least broke even, gosh darn it. Yeah, again, I I think I feel uh, this way about two films. I feel like I wish there were more people at the theater for She Said, but more specific, like the one that I think really deserves this spot is called Jane. Uh, Yeah. I think that I felt like there was this opportunity for people on, you know, either end of this to come together and and see what were we what were we looking at why does it need to be the way it is you know and and how can we all move past like letting people have control of their own bodies because clearly it is an issue for some people mm. and i just feel like this movie could have been an opportunity for people to talk about it and maybe i'm just not seeing people talk about it but I, I really wish people had gone to see it. I thought the performances were great. It's a stellar cast. It's like the characters are mostly well developed, and um, it's it's mostly a good film. That movie starred Elizabeth Banks and Sigourney fucking Weaver. Mm-hmm. It made five hundred and twelve point seven thousand dollars just over half a million dollars with those stars in it it opened over a thousand theaters and made that much that is abysmal i i don't know what the theater per average is on something like that it's it's oh my god i'm looking at this domestic um uh, weekly average and we're talking whew, roughly $300 per theater average a week that is god awful if we were talking like the most overlooked movie of the year I would absolutely back you on Call Jane I think it is a movie that needs to be championed and I'm glad you are bringing it up uh, uh, because I do think it's a good movie and it it just it absolutely deserved better, mm-hmm. so that that's an excellent pick. But I'm gonna go with the best overlooked movie, which there were a few, a few movies that did not get a fair shake at the theater that should have. I'm looking at a movie though that had a five point eight million dollar box office. Against a $32 million budget, okay? Which means it had to have made upwards of $70 million to break even. And it only made $5.8 million in the theaters. It is She Said. Well, there you go. A film that I thought was, was well-marketed. 
It was, yeah. it was, we knew what it was about and I was right on board and it, people just did not see it. And we were very positive on, on that movie. I, I think it's one of the best movies of the year starring Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan, as I recall. And people just did not go to see that movie. It was the 94th box office film of the year. 94. That's pretty, pretty low. That's very bad. And, you know, just to compare, by the way, just to compare, just so we know what we're looking at, comparatively, a, a similar movie. A similar film we talked about in a recent episode of The Movie Lovers about journalists investigating serious issues in our society. Spotlight, 2015. Mm -hmm. It made $45 million domestically, 98.6 worldwide. Wow. That was seven years ago, Mm -hmm. okay? Tells you how much has changed in terms of what people are going to see in the theater and it's a damn shame mm-hmm. it's a damn shame so that's my pick for the best overlooked movie of the year okay so jenna let's see let's move on to i think we're ready for the last four categories here Let's go on to best comic book movie of the year. We had a handful of DC and Marvel movies. I think there are a couple other movies based on comics that came out. What is your pick for the best of all of them? Well, I don't think this is a surprise, but it's definitely the Batman. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it did the best. I think it was the most current. I absolutely loved it. You know what? Uh, I agree. I agree. I I almost went with something else. But yes, I think that movie is far and above everything else. If if the movie hadn't come out this year, it'd be really neck and neck on a couple of the films that did. But yes, The Batman is my pick also for best comic book movie of 2022. It is probably the, I would say, like the one movie that anyone who's not necessarily a who, who you know, doesn't get drawn to comic book movies, uh, must see. Fear is a tool. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning. Who are you under there? 
some vengeance. What's black? podcast we we like to focus and highlight whenever we can movies that are written and or directed by women f-rated movies so every year we talk about the best f-rated movie that came from the year and i can't remember what my count was but there were i want to say at least a couple dozen films this year that were directed by women what is your pick for the best one of all Mine is The Woman King. Oh. This was one that was, you know, F-rated. We know what that is. And it's one of those categories where we need more of that. And the list was the list was a pretty good list that I could choose from this year. Thank you for sending that. But mm-hmm. The Woman King was really important because it's showing, it's showing stories that haven't been told. And stories that were kept away from people for so long. Um, all about the the people that were defending themselves from foreigners trying to buy slaves and uh, the woman that helped protect against that. Mm. And I just love the performances. I love the story. Everything about this film was just fantastic. And we've spoken about this film before and main uh, review. Yep. And, and, and there we go. It was brilliantly done. Brilliant. So by my count, there are 26 theatrically released movies that were directed by a woman. And and it, it's important to note, I don't know if you did, but The Women King was directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood with a script by Dana Stevens. And, um, and it, yeah, it, I, I think that's one of the best movies of the year. That's, a, that's an excellent pick. However, I feel like the best film of the year there weren't a lot of great f-rated movies this year in all honesty there Mm. were of the 26 i would say maybe maybe 10 and and granted we haven't seen till we haven't seen after sun and we haven't seen women talking and and maybe those would be a huge factor Mm -hmm. but as is i would say the best f-rated movie of the year was she said a film excellent choice thank you a film directed by maria schrader written by rebecca linkowitz both we we talked about in our review of she said you can listen to that episode of the movie lovers they were directors we weren't familiar with and i believe maria schrader is even a german director and, and and she's also an actress and screenwriter. That's worth noting, too. Not familiar with her work, but I really think that it, it was interesting having an outsider take a look at this situation and, and, and tell it and tell exactly how it came to be, this, this, wall, this, uh, 
this New York Times piece and and also have the flourishes that it did that really helped give these perspectives that were so necessary to the film. So, yeah, she said is my pick for best F-rated movie of 2022. Okay, Shanna, the last two categories here. Let's talk about your pick for the worst film of the year. Of all the movies we saw this year, of which were less than 50, unfortunately, because of a few that we didn't get to see, what was the worst of them all? This was a weird one. This one had like three options. So I'll just go with the very, very worst, and that was Morbius. Uh-huh. This just didn't make any fucking sense. It, uh, the, 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 the most irritating part of this was all the hype around the trailer, and then nothing nothing this, given this is supposed know? to be the summer of morbius yeah <laughs> and and part of me is really sad for jared leto i i feel bad for him because <laughs> i'm like he couldn't get you know nobody liked his joker i i really think nobody liked his morbius i mean i don't know maybe yeah, he yeah, needs no, to yeah. leave that category alone <sighs> i don't know or, or may i i don't know like the writing i think is the issue I don't think that Jared Leto is the issue. I mean... No, no, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I was... I, I, I Look, that's also my pick, basically. Ah. I think the movie's watchable. I think there's probably movies that came out this year that are unwatchable, that are absolute garbage. But there's just so much going wrong in this film that... <laughs> Just it doesn't. There's a lot that doesn't make sense. There's there's a lot that's not explained. There's a lot of issues that really that prevented it from feeling exciting. I'm really good at justifying different things in stories and mm. you know pulling threads back together. But th- this was just a everything was shredded. There was no way to pull this all together. Yeah, yeah, and it certainly didn't make me have any confidence or look forward to whatever the fuck Sony has uh, planned with, uh, the, with the characters that it, it currently has the rights to. So yeah, yeah, we're in agreement. Morbius. And there was, there was a handful of movies that that were not good that I saw this year. Uh, and that, that was definitely the one that for sure. People are strange. Dr. Michael Morbius. You've been missing for two months. When you're a stranger. Then you were found on a container ship that washed up off a Long Island. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Johnny! What did you do to yourself, Doctor? I wish I knew. I went from dying to being more alive than ever. It worked. Not exactly. I have increased strength and speed and some form of bat radar. What else can I do? There are limits. There has to be. There's something inside of me. The hunt and consume blood. Michael. 
Well, okay, so any on a positive note, what was the best movie of the year? What's your pick yeah. for the best film of 2022? An A24 film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I well, really the, think that that was the best. I think this is a third or fourth category where we are in agreement. Oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. Look at Eska. What's happening? <laughs> I'm not your husband. I'm another version of him from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all of their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. Wow, that was really good. He's waiting in the wings. The universe. He speaks of senseless things. Is so much bigger. You than you realize. Of all the places I could be, I just want to just share with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. Why why is it the best? This this is a very complicated film. And you know, if you take a step back, I I don't know how they would have pitched this. I don't know how the storyboards must have been insane. Uh it's just it's very complicated, but at its heart it's very simple and its message is very clear. Hmm. And you can interpret it 
very well and and we've watched it just the two of us we've watched it with our son we've watched it with um some family close family friends Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and every time we watch it and hear from you know all the people that we're watching with i mean it's there was only one person that wasn't that didn't get it and everybody else just loved it and had so much that they could talk about Mm-hmm. with it and apply it so easily to their life experiences and this the age range is 16 to i don't know 53 and with with everyone we've talked to and so it's just super it's a super interesting film it's beautifully done the performances are amazing it's insane yes. but it is so grounded at the same time oh. with different realistic things that we're dealing with and i just it's a movie about how difficult it is to go through taxes <laughs> so, i mean how many movies are out there that are dealing with how shitty it is to go through the whole tax process mm. yeah I, I think this movie is audacious it, it's a movie that after a certain point you're either with it or you're not but I think what also helps the film is, you know, I think what you're trying to speak to is it has it has something at the center of it, which is not just family, but it has a daughter, mother daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think those elements are elements that anybody can relate to. In addition to that, this is a mostly asian cast Mm -hmm. the the primary characters are asian i think jamie lee curtis is one of the exceptions to the the whole cast and then whoever the girlfriend is oh the the daughter's girlfriend is who you're talking about yeah 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 they're the the primary exceptions most everyone else is asian in the film and i think that that's really significant it's significant that there is such a wild thought-provoking fascinating creative financially successful film that represents and and is heavily asian led it's about an asian family and i think that asian immigrant family yeah i think those elements add layers to what is being depicted that I have heard people in the Asian community reflect has a huge effect on them. Mm-hmm. And then, and they can relate to a lot of those nuances. It adds layers to the mother-daughter relationship as well. And I think that that's all significant. But more importantly, on the whole, this is a brilliant film that is e- extraordinarily executed. And it's... And it's a film that needs to be championed. It is, I think, on on Metacritic, it is the number one film of the year. The film that made the most top ten critics list. So if mm. you've slept on everything, everywhere, or all at once, you really need to remedy that and catch up with it. So it is our pick for the best movie of the year. But what are your picks for each of these categories feel free to email us at the gibson review at gmail.com that is the year in review 
And now it's time to move on to celebrate the year with Film Faves. Film Faves is the segment where we count down our favorite movies of about a particular topic. This topic is 2022. We do this because it's a, it, it was inspired partially by a feature that used to be on the blog. You can still see uh, some of that on the blog. But uh, we do 12 because most people do top 10 lists, uh, favorite five movies, whatever it is, and then honorable mentions. And we kind of uh, cut that out and just say 12. So you can count the 11 and 12 as the honorable mentions. Not only is it a way for you to get to know our taste in movies, but also hopefully expose you to some movies you hadn't heard of or had barely even heard of and point you in a direction where you can find them. Now, to that extent, we do try to mention if a movie is available on a streaming subscription service. The ones that we focus on are Amazon Prime, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, Netflix, HBO Now, and apparently that's all of them. All right. A lot of the times, movies will be available to rent, though, on Amazon if it's not on a subscription service. This time, I think... I found that a lot of these movies are still in theaters mm. or on the way. I found that a lot were available to rent on Apple and mm. not Prime. Oh, okay. I, I mean, Amazon. So that was interesting. Oh, very good. Worth noting. Okay, so 12 favorite movies from 2022. Shanna, do you have anything you want to share about creating this list of favorite movies this year? Was it just a wealth of riches and it was just really easy to make 12 movies? Was it kind of hard in some way? It was a little tricky. Uh, I think that, you know, 11 to 15 were pretty hard to rank. That was definitely difficult. There's there's someone here that I wish I could have gotten on the list, but ultimately, you know, landed on what I did. And, yeah. It was hard for me because in particularly in terms of the ranking but partially because there weren't a lot of movies that i really like really stood out as like absolute favorites mm. like i really really loved i think this movie or this year has a lot of movies that are really good a lot of movies that are good and a lot of movies that are mediocre very few movies that are great there's probably like 10 or so movies that are great um, and even, uh, you know, I don't necessarily love movies that are great. I love movies that are really good or good, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But it was hard for me to rank the movies because I felt like I needed to watch some of them again mm -hmm. to really know where it fell in, into place on the list. So it's a little rough. My list is a little <laughs> rough. And I also agree with you, the bottom two positions, 11 or 12, were a little hard, uh, partially for the reasons I just explained, mm. but also I was like, well, you know, I feel like there's maybe four movies that could slide into those spots. So we'll see how it goes. As far as the streaming services, most of my movies are not available on a, on a subscription service yet, mm. but I will, I will note the few that are. Okay, Shanna, get us started with your 12th favorite movie of 2022. My number 12 is Nope from director-writer Jordan Peele, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, and Steven Yeun. I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was pleasantly surprising how 
how it unfolded and and what it was all about and I like the I like the approach to how the story unfolded. I don't think it was non-linear. Yeah, it was. It was, it was kind pretty... of let's get three perspectives or two perspectives, oh. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, something about this list is I didn't get a chance to rewatch a lot. So yeah, yeah. That was maybe an issue. We have that in common. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the performances, the story. I thought the visual effects were pretty decent. I am curious to see how it's going to look maybe five years from now. I, I think it's going to be okay because it was, it looked like quite an undertaking at the end of the film. There's, you know, mm. and people who have seen it are, are probably knowing what I'm talking about. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering how is that going to hold up, mm. you know? I thought just it was beautiful. But... It's beautiful right now, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm just wondering how it's going to hold up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's Nope. And it's not available right now. Nope. You know, that's the one that I need to rewatch. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't make my list because I, I I listened back to our review and we were very positive on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very positive. I, I, I think I put it just above us in terms of Jordan Peele's work. Uh, but yeah. I, and I, it's I, a relaxed Jordan Peele watch. Like it's not as stressful. It's a little stressful I mean, here and there. But if you compare it to us and uh, and I, uh, get up, yeah, this is more relaxed. I think uh, okay. I think saying it's a relaxed watch is is overstating it. But you know, it's a thrilling film. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, so here's here's what I did. I I added on my list a movie I wanted to champion. A movie that more people should see. And I have a couple movies like that on my list on here, actually. Uh, but I, I threw onto there, instead of The Menu, which almost made the list just because it's a movie that's kind of stuck with me mm-hmm. more than I expected it to, I'm, I'm going to give space to Call Jane. You gave space to it earlier. I'm really glad yeah. you did. I didn't know you were going to. Uh, so I included it on my list here. Call Jane, half a million dollars. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the movie is actually pretty good. I only had a, uh, a couple quibbles with it in our review episode. Uh, it's almost catnip for me. It's a movie about abortion. It's a movie that it takes place in the 70s. It's a movie that stars Elizabeth Banks. It has Sigourney Weaver in it. it it's got humor in it. It's got empathy in it. I think it's really good. I think it's really good. And I think it, it's it's deserving of checking out. Uh, so this is my, my campaign for call Jane. <laughs> Give it a watch. It's my 12th favorite of 2022. My number 11 is bros. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Direct, uh, directed by Nicholas Stoller and then writers on Nicholas and, uh, Billy, Billy Eichner. Yeah. Billy Eichner who started okay. in the movie. Yes. Yeah. This is a really great film. Two men with commitment problems <laughs> attempt a relationship. It's this, it's so relatable on so many levels and it pokes fun at a lot of things, whether it's misconceptions of what gay relationships involve or Hallmark movies or, you know, other cheesy elements. And it's just, it's really, it's really funny. And the trailer is fantastic. It's, it really delivers. It sticks the landing. There's a lot of beautiful moments and hilarious moments and moments that really give me as a straight mom, like hope for my children in the future and the friends that I have already that are gay. Hmm. 
Number 11 for me was tough. Again, as I mentioned, do I include the black phone, which was quite a surprise for me? Do I include something else? I, you know, I threw on there Top Gun Maverick as my 11th favorite because it was a big surprise for me. It was enjoyable. It was fun. It's a movie I need to rewatch. As there are like half a dozen or so movies I need to rewatch. I, I just didn't expect it to be at least twice as good as the first Top Gun movie. (laughs) I I just, I didn't expect it to be a good movie. I didn't expect it to be a really good movie. Mm. You know, I didn't, I just, there's a lot I didn't expect about this movie. (laughs) So Top Gun Maverick, it doesn't really need my help, but it's, it's my 11th uh, favorite. Very good. My number 10 is available on Netflix. It is Bullet Train. Directed by David Leach, and it stars a ton of people. Yes. Uh, my absolute favorite be- being Brian Tyree Henry, mm. and you know, there's a bunch of other people. I'm not gonna, I'm not <laughs> gonna get we, into it. Did we have a main review? I think we might have done train? that. Yeah, I know we talked about it. Five assassins aboard a swiftly moving bullet train find out that their missions have something in common. This film is just so fucking funny and packed with action. And, you know, hilarious violence. I do love a good, hilarious, violent film. Yes. Um, and this one, you know, there's a lot going on in this film. It's, it's rather, it's beautifully chaotic. Uh. And uh, keeps everything together still, arrives at its destination. It's fantastic. I have a, another hilariously violent movie that ended up on my <laughs> list. Uh, Bullet Train, I remember having fun with. I guess I'd have to rewatch to see if it makes... It is a favorite or not. I, I definitely wouldn't mind watching that again. Number 10 for me is not a hilariously violent film at all. It is She Said, which I think is one of the best movies of the year. I already talked about it. I think it's the best F-rated movie of the year. Uh, it's a great film. It's up there with All the President's Men and Spotlight in terms of being about the journalist process, mm-hmm. the investigation the 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 whole the whole thing the whole the pressure that you feel the coercing the harassing all those things that you might get when you are investigating serious wrongdoing in the world it's all here and she said and it is fan freaking fantastic i am here for it it's my 10th favorite of 2022 my next one is also available on netflix number nine the bad guys To avoid prison, a gang of notorious animal criminals pretend to seek being rehabilitated only for their leader to secretly find that he genuinely wants to change his ways. It's based on a a bunch of books that you love. Yeah, there's about 16, maybe 17 right now, little graphic novels, and they're fantastic. This, Mm -hmm. This is a brilliant example of what do you do when there's 16 books... Yeah. And you're just going to make one film. Yeah. What do you do with all that information and how do you coherently put it together? Because well, did it do- I, there might be a, a sequel, but I highly doubt it. It's a pretty, you know, at least how it ends. It's like, this is what you get. And yeah. I would have seen this. I love these books. I think they're dramatically hilarious and uh, they're for adults, but also for the kids. But really, I feel like it's for the adults. 
it sticks the landing. The performances are great. There's little Easter eggs. If you're if you've read all 16 books, uh, you'll find a couple things that make reference to the other books. Did did it try truncating all of the books into one story? Oh, absolutely not. No, okay. they basically took the essences of each character and presented it to us. Okay. So that was it was so well done. And it did very well. It did upwards of a hundred million dollars, by the way, and that's just domestically. So hmm. uh you know, I, I don't know where it ranks, but it's gotta be around the top twenty films of the year. Yeah, it effectively bottled down each character presented to us in a very a great way. If you've read like the first twelve, you'll see that represented here. And it, it gave us a story of of what at the what's the core of this franchise and it, it presented it very well I'm, I'm correct it outgrossed a harry potter movie what the fantastic beast oh. the secrets of dumbledore good bad guys yeah that says a lot about <laughs> that fantastic beast movie it was number 19 for the year it outgrossed uh that wizarding world movie by two million dollars i mean 97 i i highly recommend this this movie i highly recommend you check out the books it's by aaron blaby it's a lot of fun it stars sam rockwell mark maron and aquafina just to name a few favorite animated movie of the year yes as it stands right now yeah i haven't seen strange world so i don't know all right number nine for me I, you know, I, I think I would choose to watch this over. She said, if given a chance, just because it, it's fun, I guess it, it's Thor love and thunder. This one is available on Disney plus the first movie on my list. It's available somewhere. You can watch it right now. Uh, you know, it worked for me. I, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, Natalie Portman doing comedy, man, that's not something you see very often. And, Historically, it's not usually done well, but I think she I think she did well enough in this uh, film by Taika Waititi. Uh, is it Taika Waititi's best movie I've seen at this point? I haven't seen Boy, so I don't know. Uh, no, it's it's not. It's not as good as what we do in the shadows. It's not as good as Hunt for the Wilder People, or maybe even Jojo Rabbit. Mm, Jojo Rabbit is fantastic. And it's not even as good as Thor Ragnarok, but I do really enjoy it. There's a lot to appreciate in the film and a lot to enjoy in the film. And it, it, it's, it sets up a possible future of where we're heading with the Thor character, possibly maybe even passing the baton or the Mjolnir, so to speak. So Thor Love and Thunder is my ninth favorite 2022 movie. That's a good pick. My number eight is Marcel, The Shell with Shoes On. It's a feature adaptation of the animated short film interviewing a mollusk named Marcel. This is such a heartwarming, sweet, sincere film. And it's shells talking to us. So, (laughs) you know, it doesn't matter. If you have a message mm-hmm. and if you want to tell it through shells, then you can you can do it, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I just thought that it was such a sweet story about family and really living life and not being afraid. And even if you are afraid, uh, it's it's going to be okay. And I I really loved what they ha- had to say about, like, social media f- 
like fandom. Uh-huh, yeah. And mm-hmm. that was very effective and mm. I got it with like one sentence. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I just mm-hmm. thought that that was really great. So I highly recommend that one. It's Jenny Slate is the voice and I just I love it. Yeah, co-creator too. That's a movie I I was highly anticipating. I end up liking not loving unfortunately, but I I I don't uh, begrudge anyone who does love it. My eighth favorite, I hate to put two like movies together on a list, and, and maybe, again, this comes down to needing to rewatch. but I, I put Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I think I liked that a little more than Thor Love and Thunder. A lot of people could be like, obviously. Well, of course you did. You know, but... I had issues with Wakanda forever. It didn't, it wasn't a home run. Like I was really starting to think it was going to be, but there was a lot of great stuff in it. And I'm very excited to see where this corner of the MCU goes from here and, 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 and where it spins off in the different directions that these characters, uh, this cast of characters could go. So that's my eighth favorite, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I think it's still in theaters. Yeah, last time I checked. Uh, my next one is She Said. Ah, uh, it did make your list. Yeah, you've spoken a lot about this one, and mm-hmm. I, there's not really much I can add other than it takes its time. It's wonderful. It's very stressful watching it because they're trading so carefully and staying true to their journalist ethics. Mm. And I loved seeing that. I think it's a very sexy thing, sticking with the ethics. And I, I just really enjoyed the performances, the story, how it was executed. It was fantastic. It's available to rent on Amazon and Apple TV. So throw money at this thing, would you? Um, I'm, I'm really glad to see that it's on your, your list. My seventh favorite, we step away from the spectacle for a moment. And we get to a movie that I really feel like captured something for me that means a lot to me, and that is The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg's latest film. Uh, A little bit of a surprise for me because I've been very lukewarm on most of Spielberg's films for the past, oh, almost 20 years. There's only been a couple highlights. This is telling his story, more or less, as an adolescent, and what it does is, as, as a cinephile, it really captures some things that I appreciate, which is how a, a gifted filmmaker can make people feel things through the collection of and editing of moving images. Mm. And that is a big part of this film, and you see it at two or three different times how moving images can make people feel something and have an effect on people. And I definitely appreciated it for that. I also appreciated it for the fact that I, I felt like I was watching Steven Spielberg's story. I really felt like I was watching a young Steven Spielberg and it was hitting all the beats that I'm aware of, of, of about him. So as an experience, I had to make my list for sure. This is one of the ones I was most confident about on my list. Seventh favorite movie of 2022, The Fablemans. My next one is Tar. Hmm. 
So that's a movie you did get. I did get that one. <laughs> Set in an international world of Western classical music, the film centers on Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composer conductors and first ever female music director of a major German orchestra. I just, I want to watch it again and again. And I just feel like there's so much to mine here. Mm. And I enjoy the performances, the cinematography. I like that we're, there was so much jargon in here that I couldn't really keep up with, but I enjoyed being in this world. And I thought that that was a, a really nice experience. And it's dealing with some social media crap that we're dealing with right now too, right? Mm. Uh, there's this change of generations as well. Like uh, there's a character that gets a position and instead of running and thanking the the leaders of that um, music, the, uh, of that orchestra, she just runs away. She's so excited. <laughs> it's just, it's oh, kind of this yeah. interesting, mm-hmm. and you see it in the trailer. It's It's this very interesting, okay, so that's one part of this generation. And then there's this other part of this generation where things are being filmed and spliced to get views so that that person's popular for a while. But the, the problem is like, what is the impact on that person's life that was, you know, Mm. spliced and filmed about? Um, And then what is that person? Yeah. Yeah. Do they deserve that or don't they? Right. And so it's, it's very interesting. I think it's a really great film. I, I think it deserves more credit. Well, I mean, more credit. The thing's considered one of the best movies of the year by far. I, I don't know how much more credit it could get, you know, aside from awards. But, yeah, it definitely is an examination of cancel culture for sure. And I do think that's one of the the pieces of meat worth chewing on on that film. Uh, my sixth favorite film. We're at the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. You have Bullet Train as your fun violent action film <laughs> i have violent night really as my favorite violent action film oh, of the year it was quite brilliant wasn't one it? of the movies we did catch up with in between episodes mm-hmm. it was one that you really wanted to see mm-hmm. and who doesn't want to see santa kick some ass and and you know it, it it actually is supposed to be santa not just some like you know on the street what do you call it? Salvation Army Santa or whatever. <laughs> it's it's actually supposed to be Santa. They're called and, helpers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this movie was a blast. It's it's not. I mean, it's gory. It's it's pretty. Like I mean, we were reacting strongly in the theater, <laughs> and it, it does feel like it's a movie you got to see with a crowd of people. It just it, it 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 you would think it would add to the fun. However, I kind of feel like we were the only ones reacting there's quite a few people in the theater behind us i feel like we were the only ones reacting and then there were these men in front of us like four men with buffer seats that were like looking up and it just looks so uncomfortable but they seemed pretty happy and then they would just do a little smile every now and again and i was like what is wrong with you (laughs) yeah so in case you're not familiar david harbour plays santa He's he's delivering gifts, and one of the houses he's delivering gifts to gets uh, essentially hijacked by these high-end robbers, and it's, it's a very wealthy family, and, and it's about what happens uh, when that happens. And um, th- there's there's enough to it. It's, it's not schlocky. There's enough to it it has going on that 
the it's not just about the gore and the kills and and I, yeah it's creative it's fun it's just one of those movies so it's my sixth favorite film of 2022 my next one is the fablemans oh really mm-hmm. oh wow okay okay mm-hmm. wow. i i really love this film uh you've spoken a bit about it i like the performances i love the passion that we're seeing mm. with it's not called Steven. No, <laughs> the character. it's like what, Sammy? It's Sammy. Yeah. I, I love the passion that we're seeing with Sammy. There's also, you know, someone from uh, Reservation Dogs is in it. And now I'm not finding his name because obviously that's what I want. But anyway, uh, I love the side characters too because, you know, you get to see, oh, that I know that person. I know that yeah, person yeah. from this. So it's a nice little mix. I thought Gabriel LaBelle as Sammy was great. Yeah. Paul Dano, it's fun to see him. Wasn't he the Riddler? Yeah, I was going to say, he had so a great see, year. Yeah. Seeing him as the Riddler yeah. and then seeing him as the sweet father figure is a little like, whoa. Um, so I think he's doing rather well. And Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen were great to watch too of course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i just it's 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 a huge passion to show it's sometimes it's difficult sometimes you know it's not an easy path to have a passion mm-hmm. and i just loved how they showed that it was great i love the family dynamics i i thought it was a really great story and the ending is just the last 10 minutes is so exciting and yes. thrilling yes and it just makes you lose your shit <laughs> yes especially especially for cinephiles yes. yeah so i think it's a very very special film um you know i guess this is like how many films did we have that were appreciating filmmaking this year i think two babylon uh, two, fablemans two, two, as far as i know yeah. okay i i think this this one hits it on the head Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is my fifth favorite film of 2022. It's available on Disney+. Plus. Of all the Marvel films, I think this is the one I enjoyed the most. It was weird. It was uh, extraordinary to see on the big screen. Just the visuals were wow. I really liked the new character, America. I can't remember what her last name is. Uh, Chavez? Chavez, yes. America Chavez. Thank you. Uh, She was awesome in it. I really look forward to seeing more of her in the future. The various Doctor Strange worlds, the the big surprises were one Mm. of the best best things in uh, in in the cinema this year. Uh, I almost forgot about the big surprises. The surprises um, were pretty cool. Uh, you know, I know I love this movie more than you did. I actually, I totally appreciate the the Scarlet Witch storyline, and and I know that we differ on that. I thought that was handled very well, and I love Elizabeth Olsen in in the movie. I think she's fantastic, and it's just it 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 was very cool it was very cool sam raimi just doing his thing in the mcu and it was worthwhile the only problem it didn't tie to far spider-man far from home and that's a little weird but uh uh, i'm hoping all will come together and be explained in the next phase or two Mm. my number four is available on netflix yay it is by netflix (laughs) It is the Gloss Onion. That is my fourth favorite as well. Yay! Same place. That's exciting. Uh, This is our sequel to the Knives Knives Out from a few years ago. 
Uh, it's I, I've been really looking forward to this one and I've been really excited about it. And, it, you know, as you said earlier, it was in the cinema for a couple of weeks and we made sure that we went. Yes. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to see a Knives Out franchise movie on the big screen? Well, you know, a, a lot of people. But I think we particularly didn't want to miss out. And I did manage to watch this a second time, and there are one or two hints of who did it. Mm. And I couldn't get it right the first time, so that was exciting. And there's so many wonderful surprises and elements to the story that make it like reflect COVID time for us. And I really appreciated that. What did you think of this film? Well, I, it, it's uh, first of all, it, it's, it's fun. I mean, we, we talked about it in our roundup. And, you know, there's one guy I respect and follow on Instagram who's like, what the hell? I didn't, I don't get it. You know, I, we predicted it and all this sort of stuff. And I feel like if, if everyone, there is there's a quote that I'm not going to get right from, from a character from a TV show, I believe, who basically says, you know, if everyone else around you has the has a crazy opinion about something, then then maybe you're the one with the crazy opinion. <laughs> you know, because everybody, I mean, Glass Onion has gotten universal acclaim, and I think it is without with good reason. It's it's a solid film, and really well well constructed. You know, if you call the the main primary thing out um, very early on, I can't can't fault you for that i can i can kind of understand that but there's elements of this story that you there's no way in hell you're going to be able to figure out ahead of time well and that's what was so surprising about it mm-hmm. um and then watching it a second time i'm like trying to find where are the hints where are the clues mm-hmm. and there's one or two moments but you're i think you're only going to see them if you've seen it already you know and this movie had between uh fifty five hundred and thirteen thousand per dollar per theater average in the two weeks that it was open in theaters making for a 13 million dollar gross that's not that's not bad how much was it to make it i don't have that information yet in front of me so but it did it did pretty well considering and hopefully it continues to do well on netflix i don't know how you measure that Honestly, it's like I have a subscription to Netflix. Either I watch it or I don't. Does that mean that everything I didn't watch because I have a subscription to Netflix is equally su- uh, successful? I don't know. But $40 million. Thank you. We found it at the exact same time. Um, well, so. I feel like if they were in the theater for a little longer, they probably would have made at least half of it back. Yeah. I mean, I think if there were more theaters that it was open to, it probably would have broken even for sure. But yeah, Glass Onion, brilliant film. It's our fourth favorite movie of the year. My number three is available on HBO, The Batman. Oh, it's your third? Fa- it's my third favorite. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't really know what to say about it. We've got Robert Pattinson. We've yeah. got... Um, you said it was the best comic book movie of the yeah. year. We've got know. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Selena Kyle. And we've got, as Alfred, pretty exciting, we've got Andy Serkis. And then Paul Dano as the Riddler. Jeffrey Wright from uh, Westworld is, J- is Gordon. Mm-hmm. 
Colin Farrell as Penguin. <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, Why is it your third favorite film of the year? Because it does everything right. Mm-hmm. It, you Having a comic book character come back is a gift and has a lot of responsibility. It's not just, you know, it... It's the it's the great power comes great responsibility and you're supposed if you're gonna bring a character back you better reflect what's happening in our society right now to bring attention to it for those of us who aren't able to articulate it or able to see it. Well, I think what you're saying is you better have something to say, right? You better have something to say if you're going to if, if bring this character back yeah. again. It can't just be oh we're gonna show Batman's backstory or we're going to right. show batman's future story or yeah. that you can't it, it or, doesn't work like that or for just someone. have batman fight another superhero yeah <laughs> batman's been around for a long time in different ways mm-hmm. and mediums and you you it's not a character that you can just have fun with mm-hmm. you know someone who's new you can probably get away with that mm-hmm. but the caliber of comic book heroes is so high that you, like you said, you need to have something to say. And this movie does that. And the performances are great. It's a very surprising film. Mm -hmm. I think the fun comes with different movements that Colin Farrell is forced into as the penguin. The comedy comes from sound design. There's a lot of police officers and every time the room is crowded with police officers, there's this particular sound that's happening because they're, you can hear their clothes, their boots, and they're raw, roaring, you know? And I just think that it's, it's very fun and it balances out the sevenness of the film. Uh, mm, yes, very good. My third favorite is Bros. I think because it was, you know, it was a movie I wanted to see, but I didn't expect it to be Mm. as smart as it is. Mm. I didn't expect it to have as much on its mind as it does. And I didn't expect it to be as hilarious as it is. It is a hilarious movie. It's probably the funniest movie of the year. The best comedy of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. And hardly anyone went to see the movie. And that's a shame. They should have. Mm -hmm. They really should have. It would have been a sleeper hit of the year. It should have been the sleeper hit of the year. I don't even know if a movie, I I guess maybe Top Gun Maverick was the sleeper hit of the year. I don't know. I mean, that was probably going to do well no matter what. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if there was a sleeper hit of the year. But Bro should have been it. Yeah, I love this movie. It's hilarious. I do want. I I look forward to rewatching it. It's Excellent. my third favorite film of the year. And I got you that for Christmas. Thank you. Yeah, The Woman King is my number two, which I got for my stepson for Christmas. <laughs> A historical epic inspired by true events that took place in the Kingdom of Dahomey, one of the most powerful states of Africa in the 18th and 19th centuries there's not much more I can say about this film I spoke about it a little earlier I love everything about this film I love the characters I love that this this exists that it has been executed so well I, I just I love everything about it 
Awesome. My second favorite movie of the year is one that you have talked at length about and pretty much said um, everything that needs to be said about it. It is The Batman, available on HBO Max. The only thing I'll add is it, it's directed by Matt Reeves, and he usually has something to say. He has a pretty good track record. He did the second three Planet of the Apes movies. and brilliant. The more recent uh, trilogy, particularly Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I think is, is just top shelf sci-fi filmmaking and and uh, so he he's pretty damn good ever since cloverfield i believe was his uh, debut film he's gotten better and better and uh, you know the batman boy he has something to say and he does it really well i don't recall who composed the score for that film but that is i i forgot how great that score was till i overheard it in the other room while you were <laughs> re-watching it uh, it, and the biggest thing about this movie is it did the, un, the unthinkable, which was... It's Michael Giacchino. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Excellent. Mm. Yeah, that, um, very good. Far Cry from Up score. <laughs> it did the unthinkable, which was to make a Batman movie that is on par with Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. It is longer than The Dark Knight, but it is it is up there. It is really great stuff. So I, I love it. The Batman, available on HBO Max. Second favorite movie of the year. Shanna, what is your favorite movie of 2022? Or should I say our favorite movie <laughs> of 2022? It's everything, everywhere, all, all at, at once. once. We, we spoke a lot about this earlier. Yes. There's just... And did we review it? We didn't have a main review of it. We did have talk about it in the Weekend Review segment in our Sonic the Hedgehog 2 episode. Mm. There was a scheduling snafu that prevented us from being able to make a main review of it. This is just such a brilliant film. It's... Anyone can relate to this film. Anyone. Mm. And... Uh, it's also a lot of fun to watch. It's so fun. It's not preachy. It's just, it just is. Yes. The Daniels are amazing. Uh, they did Swiss Army Man before a movie. I don't even know if you watched it. but I if did. you Okay. You were not mm-hmm. as big a fan of that one as, as I was. It was bizarre as fuck. So is this but, movie. But really good, too. I yeah. mean, this movie has, like, this, this is movie. so much going on. <laughs> this movie has butt plugs, my friend. It, and it, f- f- w- yeah, it's this movie's insane, but it's a lot of fun. It's audacious. It's a blast, and so yeah. I could I could watch this on repeat all day, mm-hmm. and still find something that I didn't notice or pick up on something that I didn't notice. Uh, I was gonna try and watch this one before the you know we did this episode. Michelle Yeoh is absolutely phenomenal. I adore she's um, a queen she's in we're yeah. experiencing a yoasance right now and she's i just got ad- a lot i, I adore stephanie sue yeah you know we love her in mrs mazel yeah and uh kihua kwan yeah and then we've got kihua kwan and 
it's so exciting to see him again and he's just his character and I guess him as a person kind of shines through just this joy of seeing the beauty in life I just I love it I I could talk on and on and on about this film even Jenny Slate is in this film (laughs) for Mm. just a minute yeah um it's great yeah so those are our favorite movies of 2022 what are your favorite movies of 2022? Feel free to email us at the Gibson Review at gmail.com. That does it for 2022. And this episode of The Movie Lovers. Shanna, before we talk about what people can look forward to ahead on this podcast, why don't you share with them where they can find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna Paxton Photography or on Flickchart Spellbinding A. Go to GibsonReview.com. You'll find various articles on there, various reviews, features, and past episodes of The Movie Lovers. There will be more features in the coming year. Keep an eye out, also speaking of which, for my list of the best and worst of 2022 that hopefully will be published shortly if not already the gibsonreview.com follow on social media facebook.com slash the gibson review or instagram the gibson 99 i do bracket polls there we are we just did or are finishing up doing your number one favorite movie of the year that is every movie that you said was your favorite of every bracket poll in 2022 is up against each other in a bracket and you can find it on instagram we will soon be doing a bracket for your favorite movie of 2022 so keep an eye on uh, out for that all right so here's what you can look forward to on the gibson review in the coming weeks next time We will be looking ahead, which we're very much looking forward to. What is coming up in 2023 that we are most excited about? Our 2023 preview. That is next week, Tuesday, January 10th. After that, we will be doing our weekend review, talking about what movies and TV shows we've been watching since the last episode of the weekend review. Woo, that was... Gosh, was that back in November? So we've been watching some things. We'll talk about that on uh, January 17th. And then we'll have a film faves episode. We'll talk more about what that topic is in coming episodes. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying... Bye-bye.